right, tell me you what radio station that everything in America this is. is completely fucked up. now. You know that feeling that the whole country is NPR. like... Yes. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I think some apologies are those weird farty Nissan Sentras. And yeah. I was thinking, like, why would you make your car sound like that on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Does that car really need curb feelers? <laughs> mm, thank you. You're welcome. Whoa, I have my mouth full of food. <laughs> Sorry. So <I'm> going. <laughs> <laughs> Did that on purpose. I did. What a dick. Here you go. Mm, there we go. <laughs> All right, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I am assuming you play that with our summertime jam theme. Yes. Which that song is kind of the antithesis of a summertime jam because we're talking about a cruel summer, which is the opposite. Because um, a summertime jam is supposed to be like, hey, man, the sun's out. Guns yeah. out, we're hanging out, we're having drinks by the pool, we're going to grill later, a dog running around, kids playing. Yeah, you're right, you're right. If you're listening to the lyrics, then yes. Yes. But <laughs> it has the word summer in it. <laughs> Technically, yeah. Okay. And that song was featured in one of the greatest uh, surf films ever made, Blue Crush. Wow. Um, I've not heard that and, sentence <laughs> And uh, whenever I hear that song, I think, like, that's just, that's just summertime that's a song you play in the summer. Yeah. You can't play that song in the winter. Am I wrong? I mean, you could. You can't. No, you cannot. No. No, it is forbidden. That's uh, Bananarama, which is a an interesting name for a band. Yeah. I was trying to tie in a Lizzo joke there, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not really firing on all cylinders. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, I have, by the way, been putting together the Liberty Tree Summer Jam playlist oh, nice. on Spotify. So if you'd like to listen, uh, we have it populated with uh, about a half dozen songs right now. Did you check out Waltham? Yeah. Did, like legit. legit. Every, every song is like a summertime yeah. jam almost for that band. It's, uh, it's on the list. Awesome. I also put the outfield on there. Yep. Do absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of funny. 
is because we met for lunch earlier, right? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you had to leave early because yes. you had a previous uh, engagement to get to. And so you bought my beers. Thank you. You're welcome. And so I'm thinking, like, I think he's packing a lot in today. And he just picked up my beers. So I'll get him drinks for the podcast, right? And you're not really drinking beer right now. You're drinking, like, cider and kombuchas and stuff if, like that. If drinking at all. Yes. Yes. Which is why I've been so cranky. And why I'm <laughs> drunk right now, because I had two <laughs> drinks earlier. <laughs> and so I, um, I texted you. I'm like, let me know what you want to drink, right? Because I didn't know, I, I'm not a big like cider guy or anything like that. That was for the pub, right? What's that? You meant when I get to the pub to have it ready for me? No. You meant for the podcast? For the podcast. Oh. Because what? what? I thought I got that text and I thought you had sent it to me before. Like you were, the waitress was asking you what I wanted I to drink. And, <laughs> ah, that makes sense. <laughs> this gets funny because... Do you know, like, I'm sure you experience this quite a bit. Like, if you're trying to, like, fix something or you're trying to, like, solve a problem or, you know, you think um, you don't realize you had your wires crossed or you have something wrong in your head until you say it out loud to someone. Right? Yes. You're like, hey, I'm trying to fix this lamp and I um, I unplugged it. I put it, oh, you know what? Just figured it out. Like, never mind. I yeah. got it. So I left where we had lunch at. And I was like, I'll swing by and get drinks. And then I never heard back from you, but you did text me, like, send me... Um, uh, give me three summertime jams. And I was looking at that text. I was like, that's oddly specific, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the market you guys- and a very, a very attentive, like helpful girl comes up and I like, grab the beer and I'm just staring at the ciders. I'm like, huh? She goes, can I help you with anything? I'm all, yeah, do you guys have something called summertime? Ah, ah, yes. Yeah, uh, never mind. She's looking at me going like, uh, what, what's, you know, how many drugs are you on? Okay, dude, so there's a podcast called Drinking Bros Podcast. Right. That has their own cider that, or, no, it's like a, a it's kind of like Truly, I think. Yeah. Like a seltzer. Yeah. Alcoholic seltzer that they made, they, they, someone else probably makes it, they slap a label on it, they market it, they distribute it, they do all the work to actually have their own beverage. We should do that. Okay. Because it would make us more money than the podcast makes us. Uh, Literally anything. Like, (laughs) make us more money than this podcast. Negative (laughs) amount of money. Uh, And why the fuck wouldn't we call it Summertime Jams? I like that. Right? Let's do it. All right. All right. Because what we need Should we do this is another business. After we do the other six businesses <laughs> yes, that the, we have. The coffee still- brand and then the apparel line, <laughs> your leatherhead football league. Yes. <laughs> Women's <going>. rugby. <laughs> Women's rugby. <laughs> so man, as as I was telling you earlier, like I am I think I got like a little bit of a second wind and Sunday is usually, um, as I was discussing with Jacob earlier, the day of rest. Like our academy's closed. Yeah. And I got a wild hair last night and hit up our Muay Thai coach. I'm like, dude, you want to do a private? He goes, yeah, we'll do it like nine. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, sounds good. And then, uh, for those who don't know, that means a private lesson. Private lesson, yes. Yes, it's nothing sexual. I and his name you. happens to be Ryan, so in, <laughs> implement your own uh, Saving Private Ryan joke there. <laughs> and then nine becomes eight and becomes 7.30. And we went out last night because my son is out of town. So we had the rare date night, and we decided to kind of like go out and have some fun, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But so I get to the gym, and uh, these guys 
our Muay Thai program right now has just been amazing. Yeah. Because they are bringing in people from all over the country. We have a guy from Thailand. We have a guy from Denmark. A guy from uh, Ireland was just here, from Sweden. And all they do is just train, like, two, three times a day, seven days a week. And yep. so, Yeah, they're, they're nutballs. And so I got drug in. It was just those guys. So is they kind of put me through their ringer. And God dang. I mean, it was awesome. But first time I puked in a very long time. Yeah. Which is a gratifying, like, second wind. Totally. As I puked and, like, it was also interesting because this is the only, the only social situation that I can think of where people are legitimately ha- happy for you and proud of you. If yeah. You, if you vomit yes. in front of them. <laughs> they're like, oh, oh do it on the mat. Yeah, yeah. In the trash can. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, Coach Ryan's was like, oh, what, good work, man. Good work. And the other guy, the Danish guy's on the back, like, well done, brother. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Well, like I was telling you earlier, if you don't puke after your workout, how do you know you actually gave it your all? Well, it's kind of interesting because we were talking about that because right afterwards is we agreed on that. I agreed with you, what, two, three hours ago while we were having lunch. I'm like, yeah, like that's the barometer. Like you, you, that's it. That's it. That's it. If you didn't puke, you still, I mean, you literally have something left in the tank. But we kept training after that. He's like, he's like, you feeling okay? I was like, yeah, 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 I feel better. He's like, all right, let's uh, get on your gloves. We're going to spar. Yeah, that's all extra credit. And so we kept training. So I'm like, did I really give it my all? And so I started thinking about like, yes. if you really, the only way you really give it your, your all is you have to die. You have to die on the mat. Yeah, you have to die on the mat. That's true. And That's actually true. Everyone's talking about it at your funeral. Like he, yeah, he truly, I told him to give it his all. He and did, and now he's dead. He did, and I regret telling him that, and I, <laughs> I, I will never tell anyone that again Yeah, go, going he's forward. He's the first guy to take that literally. So and, from um, now on, I'm going to tell everyone, give it your most. <laughs> give it 90%. Give yeah. it just about everything. Once you throw up, just start to taper off after yes. that. Yeah, work, don't don't work, go farther. Work until you puke. Or stay at that level, yes. And then stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in most gyms, you can quit when you puke. Mm-hmm. Not our gym, motherfuckers. <laughs> if you're gonna come train at our gym, you better puke and then keep working. All right, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I got. I just vomited in the trash can. I'm sitting there like, uh, what? I mean, to his credit, or you know, I, that's happened before. I'm like, I do feel better. He's like, how you doing? It's like good, better. He's like, all right, get in your gloves. Like, let's let's spar a little. Right, right. Of course. <laughs> like, why would why would we well, stop now? What are you gonna say? No, <laughs> I'm not really feeling it. So, on that note, um, is to I was trying to do something that I thought would make you happy. Is I have a sports segment. Really? Yeah. You want me to play the sports bumper? Oh, I got a sports bumper. Okay, you probably got a better one. Just well, do yours first. The the bumper of uh, that we normally play, the one with the coach. Yes. You want to play that? All right. Can you say something else while I stumble? I'll play mine first. (laughs) Okay. I play that to ask you this. What do you think of that song? Uh, it sounds like you wrote it in the five minutes before the podcast started. <laughs> I didn't write that, <laughs> but, uh, to align with your sentiment is I was like, I need like a cool, like a, like a 
rough and ready sports song. I came up with that. I was like, this is the worst pile of shit I've ever heard. Like, why would someone record this on purpose? Who, what is it? It's just some random, like, royalty-free. Oh, yes, yes. It, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like royalty-free music. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's the equivalent of, like, uh, you know, I want to hear some, like, sports music. You play that. It's like, man, I'm hungry. You're like, here's a scone. Thanks. <laughs> that is technically the, that is sports music, I guess. Yeah. Why someone would listen to that? Yeah, yeah. So I had to suffer through it. So I wanted you to uh, hear the same thing. So well, I, I let's appreciate hear your that. sports bumper. All right. Our goals are to hit dingers, bag capitals, disgrace the pitcher's family, make the other families, other players cry. <laughs> And stomp their butts into the ground. Does everyone understand that? I'm going to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh, feud. And if your dad has said, oh, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, just as long as you have fun, well, I hate to say it, your dad's a loser. Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me um, a beer. Uh, I don't know how I got on this path, but. It's has uh, kind of dovetailed into like a lot of the things that I've been thinking about lately and um, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I'm going to ask you a question Please do. and I'm going to give you a slight, not a caveat, but a kind of a condition for which this list was put together. Um, I want you to guess, what do you think are the most physically demanding sports? And to quote the article, when we talk about fitness, we're not just referring to physical strength or endurance. But being fit also means having the agility, coordination, and balance to perform complex movements. So it's not just how much you can lift or how fast you can run. But take, <clears throat> taking in other non-tangibles like balance, coordination. It's the way that I read this. It's like the they're taking a very like holistic yeah. approach. So it's like everything: so, strength, endurance, cardio, agility. Like to movement, be good at balance. To be good at this sport, you have to be big, strong. Fast, coordinated, intelligent. Yeah, superhuman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's got to be the biathlon. Uh, which, the bike run or the skiing shooting? Skiing shooting. <laughs> no, not on the list. What? Oh, <laughs> what kind of bullshit list is this? Try to guess number one. Think about it. So this, I think there's a more of a focus on this, on the most like physically enduring, like just it's the worst grind you could go through. But it, but all those other factors still play into it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, so I, agility, performance. I think it's got to be football. Nope. Hockey. Uh, on the list, number eight. Eight, like not n- number one being the hardest. Yes. Huh. Dude, how you know how hard it is to fucking ice skate? Very. And fight. Is it as and, hard at? Uh, funny to say that. Wrestling slash MMA. Is number one? Is number one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I guess us doing jujitsu, I mean, there's a significant overlap with wrestling. But when you roll with a wrestler, like, yes. you know, like, oh, shit, this guy wrestled. I, yes. I, I can already tell. <laughs> yes. They could have had, like... 
one year of high school, uh, high school wrestling. wrestling you're like, oh, dude, he's God just damn another species of human being. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, boxing. Now, does this, do you take this to mean like uh, the, the most physically demanding at the highest level? Uh, yes. Not like if you're in high school and you choose to do one of these sports, it's the most demanding. Mm, or the, I, or the I, hardest. I don't think I can answer that. Yeah, that's a tough, yeah, a tough way to quantify. But okay, just to get my mind around it. Okay. So, at, to be a professional at this sport, the most physically physically demanding. Yeah. Okay. So, number one, wrestling, MMA. Two, okay. boxing. Number three, triathlons. Is baseball on the list? Baseball is not on the list. Okay. <laughs> triathlons. Number four, dude. Triathlons. Well, I guess. I've done a triathlon. It's brutal. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, especially when you can't swim, <laughs> 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 which is funny to say, cause number four is water polo, which I've always heard. Like I've that, heard like that. those are some of the in, most grueling yeah. sport ever. Uh, number five, rugby. Okay. Uh, number six, this is kind of a cheat. Uh, maybe not, but the decathlon, which is hence the name, the, the 10 events yeah. of, Jumping, running, sprinting, long distance, shot put, discus, uh, what pole vault, javelin, like kind of everything. What makes that so hard? I you have to do them all like back to back to back to back. Yeah, no, you have to do them all at the same time. <laughs> ah, <that's what laughs> yeah, dude, trying to pole vault with a shot put under one arm is <laughs> incredibly hard. Uh, number seven, cross country and distance running, mm. which as someone, a former long distance runner, it's. That one's kind of suspect. Though. So here's 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 where I'm a little skeptical there Come because on. here's the here's the hardest thing, is, so, I guess to my backstory, I was a soccer player, uh, which is number nine by the way on the list, and it's grueling. It never stops, right? There's no start stop. You're running, just run. You know, and I was a midfielder, so I just ran. You got to be on defense and you have to be on offense. So my job was to run basically hundred yard sprints, like the entire game. Mm -hmm. Like that was my job. Right. And so when I joined our academy, uh, an MMA academy, I, th I thought like the first question you got is like, are you in shape? I was like, I'm in excellent shape. You have great cardio, I have great endurance and everything. I quickly found out that was not true. And the, the delineating factor was, and this is why I agree with like something like wrestling or MMA being at the top. And then I start to question something like cross country running, right? Yes. Is that you do, you do not have the option to slow down, right? So if I'm playing soccer, I was like, I, I'm running out of gas. Right. I'm going I'm to take it down a few notches. You know, I'm, I'm doing a long run. I'm running like a 20 You're mile. You're one of 11 guys. <clears throat> so if the ball's right. not near you, you can slack a little bit. Or I'm running by myself like just not feeling it today. Slow down. You can't do yeah. that when you're wrestling or, right. bo or boxing number two. Right. So like you don't have that choice. Like I'm, I'm going to get choked out here or punched in the face. Yeah. So uh, eight hockey, nine soccer and number 10 basketball. So these, <clears throat> these surveys or these polls are always uh, the lists are entirely dependent on the methodology used. Yeah. And I, that to me is more interesting actually than the list itself. Right. What did you use to quantify that? Because the game of football, I think, is one of the most grueling sports there is. People, it gets a bad rap because 
you you have time in between plays, mm-hmm. but during every play in football, you are going. You're basically in an MMA fight for the 15 seconds that the play is mm-hmm. lasting, especially if you're on the line or you're involved in a in tackle. But even if you're like a wide receiver blocking someone else, you're hand fighting. You're actually fighting with that person. Right. It's exhausting. And then you add on top of that getting smashed in the head really hard over and over again. I mean, that's fucking funny. You should bring that up. Uh, in this game of football you speak of with the <laughs> head smashing, are they wearing helmets, protective gear? They are. So unlike the Burmese boxing, the official sport of Myanmar, the Letwe, <laughs> which is what I've been, I was disappointed that Letwe wasn't on this list, which I've actually been into this for quite a while, but now I'm obsessed with it. It's the, yeah. only, it's the only thing I watch. I don't watch TV except for this now. Uh, the art of Letwe, you know, coming out of the um, Myanmar um, is, so Muay Thai being the art of eight limbs, Right kickboxing but with mm-hmm. elbows and knees and letway adds in headbutts art of nine limbs art, that's actually what they call it they call it the art <laughs> of nine limbs and i watched uh some fights over this weekend with my wife and she was actually she's like this is insane because these guys are like 135 pounds and they're just like beasts and not only that they don't wear gloves they have their hands wrapped that so it's also pretty much bare knuckle boxing but with headbutts and there were fights where these dudes are just like so like hyper focused on like this doing this for a living or like th- this is what they do and it's crazy too because i was having the conversation we were talking about this earlier is that um i guess there were some ufc fights and then we had the uh, nate diaz jake paul boxing fight and then Ryan from Muay Thai goes, are you going to watch that? Did you watch that Nate Diaz, Jake Paul? I was like, no, I don't. I'm just not interested in that at all. He goes, why not? I was just, uh, the whole circus sideshow, it's just like, this is such an example of just like society decaying, right? Shoving each other's the weigh-ins, and they got like mascots and celebrities behind them. Everyone's got their phone out and, you know, filming everything because it's like it's going to be this sweet, like viral moment, you know, and it's just... I don't know. I just, I just want nothing to do with that, which is why I like, I don't even watch the, you watch the UFC at all? Not really. Yeah. It's like, I just, I just not interested. It's just, I like seeing it, but I don't ever know that it's on. Right. And yeah. So I, like watching an actual fight because I'm just technically interested in what's yeah. going on, but everything that surrounds it, it's, it's like, you know, the, it's the pro wrestling aspect or whatever, yeah. which is why I gravitated towards Muay Thai. It's like, you never, ever see that. It's like the most respectful like humble thing, you know, that, you know, they're always like respectful to their opponent every round. They like bow to each other. And yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I just like the humility, mm-hmm. of it, I guess, but we were watching this Letway fights and like dudes will get knocked out and the fight stops and they wait till he comes back up, you know, till he wakes up and they're like, they stand back up and the guy's like, yeah, I'm ready to fight again. <laughs> we'll keep fighting. <laughs> knocked out by a headbutt. Like, okay, we got to stop things until he, like, comes to. He comes out, and the guy's like, he just has this, like, smirk on his face. Like, oh, yep, sorry about that, everyone. Like, let, yeah. let's keep oh, going. Sounds like the NFL in the 1970s. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like when they take the gloves off, I know the bare knuckle boxing is gnarly. Yeah. I, total respect for that. But it's. You're less likely to get a concussion from a guy that doesn't have his hand wrapped like a fucking club. Yeah. Or a, getting headbutted by a guy with a helmet on. Mm-hmm. Right? Dudes on 
the football field, run the entire length of the field, both of them, on a kickoff, mm-hmm. and just fucking smash head-to-head head into each other. I know. I've done it. I've been at the receiving end of that. So have I. And in a, uh, in a fight, the worst you're going to get is, like, just someone cracking you, like, with the amount of force that their head can generate and probably not in your forehead, right? That's not the ideal place to headbutt someone. Nose. Yes. The nose and mouth is what you're aiming for. (laughs) Or nuts. Which is not going to (laughs) get with your mouth wide open, but (laughs) that's something else. More of a a mouth, (laughs) butt. And that's how monkeypox started. (laughs) So as I was telling you earlier, we, uh, my son is out of town. And my wife and I are in a very, very, like, rare situation. You know, it's always that first day where we're just aimless. Like, I come up from work. Well, what do you want to do? She goes, I don't know. What do you want to do? I'm like, you want to try out, like, just a, an uninterrupted adult conversation <laughs> for five minutes? See how that goes? Do you remember how that goes? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we went out to dinner. Had, or, uh, or, it was an early dinner. <laughs> and then... Uh, I am in no position to give relationship advice, fellas, but I will say don't do this. If your wife wants to go out and spend some time together and, like, do something fun, don't take her to go see The Sound of Freedom in the theaters Mm. because what you are going to be is you and a theater full of other adults sobbing their fucking eyes out for two and a half hours. Not to say the movie was phenomenal. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but there was not a dry eye in that place and it was so intense. Like, I don't know if this is just the parent in me speaking, but I had to get up a couple different times. Once where I didn't think I had to leave the theater. I was like, I just, I, I can't watch this. Like, it's, it's just too much. Not, not that, I mean, I'm glad I went and saw it. It just, I think the awareness is important, but man, that is some intense shit to go through. Well, QAnon uh, material will do that <laughs> to you. So I'm, I'm not surprised. You know what's interesting about this movie is the reason that I ended up going to see I never go to the movies. This is probably the one movie I'll watch this year. <clears throat> More of a Lethway guy. <laughs> is uh, they have their model for promoting this movie is really interesting. And it's, it's uh, I guess it would be best described as like a pay it forward model. Is at the end of the movie... They have a giant like QR, what do you call them? The QR code, whatever, yeah. which I didn't do. I don't know how to use. Uh, they have you uh, know how to use it, <laughs> barely. <laughs> but they have other means of like doing this. Is what you do is you buy a ticket or a couple tickets and send it to someone, which is how ah. I got to see the movie. So the guy Eric, the guy that we do the tackle yes. train with, randomly goes here. Just set you yeah, two he, tickets, he, and you can redeem it wherever you want. Interesting. Yeah, and so yeah, he sent that to me too. I, I didn't realize that was where that came from. That's where that came from. So it's, ah. it's, uh, and so now I was talking to Ryan about it. He's like, man, I really want to see that. I was like, I'll send you some tickets. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, no, no, no. You can redeem this at any time in any theater, anywhere it's playing. Interesting. And, and it's like, then you do the same. You send it to someone else. Huh. And so now you have a movie like that that costs, what, $14 million to make, had been shelled by Disney. No coincidence there. And has now made over $150 million. Yeah. Something like that. Huh. Yeah. Well, I don't know how they made all that money giving away free tickets like that. That doesn't sound like a very good (laughs) business plan to me. Now, we we contemplated watching it the other night, but I just don't really want to see it. 
it's it's it, it's rough, dude. For me, the the biggest victory of that movie was just the reaction that yeah the, the left gave, the, the media gave, and the Hollywood gave to it. Right. Um, but it looked pretty rough, and it I just, it it, yeah. it was rough, man. I cry at just about everything these days. So <laughs> I know we were I'm talking like, about that. I was telling Ryan that while we were training. I was like, I you know, ever since my kid was born, it's like this littlest thing will just set me off, and you know. In a movie like that, it was, uh, yeah. My wife was not, she's like, next, I, I can't remember what she said. She goes, but next time we go on a date, like, eh, let's, let's think it through a little better or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I one time uh, asked a girl to hang out and we watched a movie and the movie that I picked out was Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> and, uh, a little rom-com. <laughs> that movie ended and it was just kind of like both of us like, Huh. So I guess I'll just drive you back home. <laughs> In my younger party years, like where we were doing a lot of drugs and just partying our asses off. This is in my twenties. Is I uh, went down to L.A. specifically with this other guy uh, to just party our asses off. <laughs> we we're going off like a three or four day bender, and like, dude, let's let's just call it a weekend or whatever. And so we went back to his uh, family's house, and he put on. Um, uh, leaving, leaving, Las, leaving Vegas. Las Vegas. No yeah. way. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. And You're like really, through, dude? I was just like, uh, I want to watch something else. <laughs> oh my God. Either we watch something else or I slit my wrists. I, there's only two options. Uh, well, um, I was strutting around my house this morning preparing as one does for the, the podcast. The, mm-hmm. the wife wasn't home and the kid was still asleep. And uh, I never do this, but I had this feeling of like, like pride. It was weird. Like I was just, I was literally strutting, like, like kind of doing the Conor McGregor, like walk. (laughs) And it was like, I just felt this feeling of like, I'm happy and I have a house that, I can afford, and my kid has, it was this weird, like, I'm, this weird, like, adult recognition of, like, I'm doing pretty good Yeah. for, you know, where I could otherwise be, or right. maybe should be even, Yeah. like, and I, I will never let myself do that, and I probably never will again, I never did before, but I just had this moment of, like, fuck yeah, look at me, <laughs> look at me in my house, <laughs> and stuff, and, like, food in the fridge, and, like, a kid who's cool like it was this that's is, that's weird that you said that because i actually texted my wife uh from the gym yesterday and i was just like hey, i was stretching and everything and i was getting ready to like do some bag work and i you know we were like well our son's out of town like let's do something just you and i you know what i mean which made me think come on i know a lot of people or not a lot but i do know you know friends that don't look forward to hanging out with their significant other. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. I, like, just my wife and I can hang out and, like, do something. Even if we just sit on the porch and chat, like, this is going to be so nice. And I texted her, texted her, and I was like, I, just, I told her, I was like, I feel so grateful. I'm like, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I was like, our house is happy. Our family's happy. I was like, this, like, I just feel, like, really, really lucky right now. Yeah. That's weird. I had the exact same feeling yesterday. I don't think a lot of people get that same kind of joy. Yeah, because I was hanging out with some people yesterday, and they asked me. One of them asked me, like, "Do you guys do that? Like, where like you need to, like you guys give each other a break? Like, you just need a break, and you gotta 
because my wife was gone for the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, hanging out with her friends. And like, the assumption was that she needed a break and she had to go like, just yeah. get away. Yeah. And it was like, no, like, no, she just, they made plans. And yeah. She went and did the plans. Yeah. And I'm going away next week and not because I needed a break. It's just, I'm, we're going to go shoot guns and do a bunch of crazy shit that I'm so looking forward right, to. Because we need a break. it's not that like i would bring them with me if it was appropriate like i never feel like i need a break from my family never so how much of that do you think has to do with the fact that because we're from a very small town and the vast majority of the people that i grew up with got married right out of high school start a family yeah Uh, very few of those marriages are still together because oh yeah like yeah like when you're 20 21 like you know the person I am now, as opposed to back then, is a completely different person. There's no way, just in the way that I'm glad I didn't get tattooed at the age of 18. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of glad I didn't settle on, like, my, yeah, you, my you partner for life. You'd have had some real shitty tattoos if you had done that. <laughs> I have tattoos for my 30s that are just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I, it makes me think that, I, I don't know, this is a bit of a social construct that became... I don't know, more and more prevalent, but as people, I waffle back and forth. I'm like, I, I, I wish I would have started a family earlier. Yes, me too. And had a bigger family, had more kids. And, 100%. But at the same time, like, I mean, number one, I wouldn't change anything the way it is now. You know, right? I, right. I just like, this is, I'm not gloating. I just feel like I'm just living in perfection every day, like the feeling that you had yesterday. And some of that had to do with, you know, touring and, you know, rock and punk and hardcore bands for 10 like i have no desire to go out and sow my royal oats like i yeah you know part like i i, I got out of your system I, I don't need to go to a party i don't need to go to a festival yeah i don't need a, a weekend in vegas with the boys like i'm good like dinner at your in-laws none of that, <laughs> yeah, I don't need that shit. <laughs> paying my taxes you know changing the oil in my truck you know i'm done with all of it no but like we you know given you know i do I will go out at night maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, at night I say like I'm still home by like 930 because <laughs> I'll go out. I'm like, I, I, I want to go hang out with the dogs. What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, because anything I do is just, I just, my porch is way cooler than this. That's yeah, like, but you were going to say though. So you're saying that do you attribute that to being older, having started a family later? Yeah, like we got, you know, the proverbial midlife crisis. You know, the people that get, you know, the people. yes. And okay. I think that the er, yes and what yes that <laughs> it's because we're older that we are more appreciative of what we have and less likely to get divorced. For example, right. like the friends that we know that got married too young. Right. But I also have friends that got married really young who are very happily married. Yeah. And they come from a very strong religious family, mm-hmm. and their their tradition is very very strong. Right. And both families my friend and his wife when they met they both kind of came from that background yeah and it worked when you see that working i'm I'm like kind of jealous i'm totally what a beautiful thing like and i think that our parents or maybe our grandparents that was the norm Mm -hmm. and i've been having this thought lately i've been having this thought a lot lately Mm -hmm. that everything sucks <laughs> Everything new sucks. I like your news. <laughs> it's a little spin on Make America Great Again, but it's called Everything New Sucks. Okay. Everything was better before. 
Yeah, we're we're truly. I mean, to you know, to to pay back the, uh, you know, people fighting YouTube stars. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're 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 definitely looking at the end of an empire. You know, I looked actually <laughs> did a little like uh, quick redneck research on the end of empires. Right? You know what? To uh, you did your own research. Uh, well, oh, we'll get into that. But are you <laughs> trying to get on a list or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not what the internet's for, man. The internet is for cat videos I'm and to get being jealous, list. jealous of your friends. You know, two of the commonalities of the fall of significant empires in history are uh, transgenderism mm-hmm. and cat videos. <laughs> oh, no, close. Uh, we'll check on that second one, but they all last. They all end between 200 and 250 years and an obsession with gender and sexual identity. Yeah. Yep. See the fall of Rome. Um, I think that just to tie this up and then we'll move on, but I just think that uh, our culture was better. Try and argue that. You know, it was better. And in our grandparents' <clears throat> youth, they had tradition they had a, and everybody was on board with this American lifestyle, this American tradition. Mm-hmm. And that is being eroded and it's being replaced by new wacky bullshit. It's also being replaced by um, ha- this idea of having to accept every other culture's stupid traditions mm-hmm. that don't work as well as our old traditions mm-hmm. did. And so those fall by the wayside to the point where if you are getting married young now, people say, kind of rightfully so, they say, are you sure? That's, are you sure you want to do that? When that used to be the norm. Like, aren't you right. a little young? And that used to be the norm. And the the sad thing is that they're right. The people that are criticizing them for getting married young are right because chances are you're not going to have the, your your ideology of your, your, your the your perspective on life figured out until you're older, like you and I were when yeah. we started a family. Right, and that's it's fucking sad. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. We need to go back because we we are we're hurting because we're not creating families younger. Yeah, our population is declining. Our family values are declining. The American values are declining. And we, I personally think, we need to get back there. Not to sound too make America great againy, but it's it's right. I mean that yeah. it was better then. Uh, if we make a and everything new sucks hat. I'd definitely be interested. Okay. I will get working on it. So uh, you are talking about religion there earlier. Good morning. <laughs> Time to get up and go to work. Couldn't help to think about bringing up uh, infamous and very successful race baiter and grifter Al Sharpton. Mm. His latest quote. One day our children's children will read American history and can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history. What? Uh, He's criticizing (laughs) Thomas Jefferson for overthrowing the government? Yes. Oh, my God. That's from MSNBC. I heard that. I was like, I don't... I mean, it's easy, just like we play Kamala Harris, like to make fun of Al Sharpton. Yeah. I mean, he's a deranged whack job. But he's saying what a lot of people are thinking. But for him to sit at a table full of experts, which we will get into later, Mm -hmm. that sit here and go like... Can you imagine a world where, like, Thomas Jefferson overthrew the, the government? I'm like, I'm listening to that, like, 
driving to work, like, yeah, yeah, I can. I can, I can kind of picture that. Dude, it's that Alice in Actually, Wonder- one would argue that's what he's known for. It's that Alice in Wonderland shit that you were talking about in the yeah. last episode that they just try to mix everything up and turn everything upside down, make it all topsy-turvy so you don't really know what reality looks like anymore. Yeah, dude, it's, I heard that. It's, 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 it drove me crazy that this table full of experts, they just sit there and smile like cows looking at a passing train. Like, hmm, that's a really good perspective, Al. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised no one else has brought that up. And, like, in, anyone with an IQ over 90 go, like, is, didn't he overthrow a... That's why we know that name. Play right? that clip again. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll do. One day, our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or J- Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government? <laughs> Full, it's dude, Alice in Wonderland. It is or so... We're through the looking glass. You almost don't know how to take what he said. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. If he's saying what it, well, it sounds like he's saying, it's so backwards and clowny that you almost can't really wrap your head around it. it. it I, we talk about this all the time, but this is what just, it, it makes you, I don't know what the word is. It, 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 it like takes the wind out of your sails for like caring and trying to make change. It's like, what's the point of trying to like bring attention to things, the sound of freedom, you know, child trafficking? which I, became a political issue somehow mm-hmm. and or talking about I don't know anything that we talk about in this podcast and it's just like and then the experts the you know the mouthpieces they can go and just say whatever you want Joe Biden can go up there and say like yeah. I have nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business it's like you're not curious like why he's worth 80 million dollars yeah. and he doesn't have a job like it <clears throat> if my son was a multi multi millionaire and I didn't know what he did for a living, I'd probably have some questions. If you let Al Sharpton take the wind out of your sails, though, that's kind of on you. <laughs> this is very true. It's like a believing Joy Reid when she said that the left has won the culture war in that one <laughs> clip. It's like, shut up. No one's listening to you. I dug up my favorite, my favorite Thomas Jefferson quote, and this is, I think, just explains my, our behavior, is when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. It's like it's your mm. duty to push back against this shit. And, Amen. And it was no better exemplified during the COVID pandemic. And people were going, like, why are you being such an asshole? I was like, I'm not being an asshole. Everyone else is being an asshole, and I'm pushing back against it. That's good. Say I, that again. When tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Mm. Yeah. It almost sounds like someone who would overthrow their government. he wouldn't do that he was our founding father why would he overthrow a government so when you ask the question dude um that someone can watch that clip and just nod their head and go like oh that's yeah that's a really good point and anyone else that has any semblance of history or has dusted off a history book in the last i don't know in their lifetime would go like isn't that what he's known for that he overthrew a tyrannical government is then I get into these studies. Do you know that fewer than half of all adults can name the three branches of government? Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's so depressing. A when quarter you... couldn't name one. Yeah. And the three branches of government being? The judicial, uh, the executive, and the legislative. Is that what it's called? Oh, okay. All right. You <laughs> Uh, I got BlackRock, Raytheon, and the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> Very good. Okay, sorry about that. 
Dude, yeah, nothing will depress you quicker than those man on the street interviews. <laughs> so like saddening. Ugh. It's brutal. All right. I gotta pee out the sadness. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, I'm eating again. Sorry. <laughs> <You're not. laughs> I, was, I knew giving you that. I was like, why am I giving him this before we record a podcast? It's so stupid. He has an Those inability, are good though, right? He has an inability <laughs> to not put whatever food's in front of him in his mouth. <laughs> okay. Like a dog. That's my bad. Bad time management. All righty then. So, um... <sighs> I have been thinking uh, for a while now about this this concept. I think we all have. We've been dwelling on this idea of um, you're not allowed to do your own research anymore, right? Yes. It's like this kind of um, it's a it's a way for the people in power. We have to stop hanging out so much, man. <laughs> I'm thinking about the exact same things. The people in power. Don't want you doing your own research. Right. Okay. That's what this stems from. The reality of doing your own research, people have for a long time done their own research. Mm -hmm. This is a new phenomenon where it's not okay anymore. This idea of experts, which basically comes down to an appeal to authority, which is a logical fallacy. We will get into that. Is the, the crux of... Everyone that you hear saying, um, mocking people for doing their own research, mm -hmm. that, if you if you could sum up that mocking into a logical fallacy, it would be appeal to authority. Right. What you're saying is that we have to trust the experts, and you doing your own research is ridiculous. Who are you? You're nobody. You're not an authority on the subject. So a good example of this that struck me the other day when I was brushing my teeth <laughs> was, I was I was sitting there... In the mirror, and I was thinking about uh, how many how many times have you heard like that your intestines are so long that they could like wrap around the earth like twenty two times or something? I think that's your nerve endings. You've heard that though, right? The right. No, but the yeah. intestines, like there's yeah. like Google this or dildo this for me right now. Intestines are long, circle the earth. Yep, and see what you come up with. When I did it. I saw something that said that your intestines, if you stretched them out, will circle the earth 22 times. And I remember hearing that as a kid growing up, that your intestines are so long that if you stretched them all out... Can, can human intestines stretch around the world? The circumference of the earth... Uh, oh, wait. Byline. Um, it is a logical fallacy that the earth is round. The earth is actually... <laughs> stop, <flat>. stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's my point, though. I'm sitting there brushing my teeth, and I'm just, I, I'm a general contractor who has, you know, average intelligence and paid attention in school. And I'm thinking, there's, how do your, how could your intestines, there's, there's just no way. But I took this my whole life to, you know, just be the truth that I just heard this thing and it's true. So I'm not going to look into it. I'm not going to do my own research, but I'm sitting there and I'm going to brush or to floss my teeth. I'm looking at the dental floss and I'm like, okay, there's 200 yards of dental floss mm -hmm. in this container. How many of these would it take to circle the earth one time? 
Mm-hmm. It would take 220,000 boxes of dental floss to circle the earth one time. That would not fit in the back of my truck. All right. That would not fit in this room. Not with that stump in there. And you're, <laughs> I'm seasoning it for the last time. And then I'm like, I'm thinking. Let it go. <laughs> he, your intestines are bigger than a little piece of dental floss. Right. So right there, I'm just like, this is fucking bullshit. Your intestines won't stretch that far. And this was just this instant, and it hit me. It's like, okay, I just did my own research and proved this fallacy wrong. I'm not saying that science was telling us that your intestines were stretched around the earth. I'm just saying that there's an impulse for people to do their own logical analysis of something that they've heard before and prove that wrong. Mm-hmm. If if they are <laughs> equipped with a calculator and enough you know, wherewithal to figure out... And the, some basic critical thinking. Exactly, yeah. You know, figure out what, what, how many yards of dental floss are in the average box or something. You know, right. you, you can do this math on your own. And to supplement what you're saying, uh, uh, you know, if, if they think we're creating a straw man argument, type into Dildo, stop doing your own research. We have New York Times, skeptics say, do your own research. It's not that simple. Forbes, not calm. You must not do your own research when it comes to science. Uh, CNN, how do your own research hurts America's code response. I mean, it's, this was a narrative... That, had, that came out during COVID of, like, stop doing your own research, which yes. is, like, stop doing your own intellectually f- fulfilled critical thinking is what they're asked, basically proposing that you do, which became the narrative, and, which is what you're referring right. to. Uh, why? Because science is taking care of that for you. You don't need to do it. We have professionals doing it. Experts. Capital Ex- S, science. science and they know what they're doing. Yes. Well, do you know where science basically came from it came from asking questions and doing your own research so uh, we in the 1600s uh in england they started the royal academy of sciences Mm -hmm. and what it was was just basically a bunch of gentlemen who were aristocrats that had time on their hands and they want they had a thirst for knowledge and uh you know the scottish enlightenment was happening around that time as well, where they great scientific achievements and philosophical achievements happened during this time, and they invented haggis. But they that like <laughs> I I and you repeat what I just said. There's great <laughs> advancements in science happening, and so these people were were not uh, capital S scientists, yeah. right? They weren't uh, part of some science inc. Right? They were just gentlemen who had a, a genuine curiosity of right. how the world worked. Inquisitive intellectual people. Yeah. And so these men came up with these experiments and they, uh, they told their buddies in this academy that they started together, the Royal Academy of Sciences, mm-hmm. how these things worked. And they were able to prove things. And the academy, if you came up with some sort of uh, like brilliant uh, solution or hypothesis that you proved true. Or sausage. Or haggis. <laughs> They would ask you to bring the haggis to the academy and demonstrate it to everyone. And so they would do that for a long time until the academy got too big for that to work. Mm -hmm. They would just either invite you to the academy to demonstrate what you've learned in front of everyone. Yeah. Which was you reproducing your results Mm -hmm. in front of people watching you like a peer review. Mm -hmm. Or they would send someone from the academy or a couple people out to your lab or your field or wherever you were doing it and, and, and you would show it to them, right? But eventually the academy grew too large and they just started going on trust. Mm-hmm. 
And they just started trusting that people's results were, because they remember the academy. They had, you know, had some sort of tenure there and they people a, trusted them. They had authority. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And as human nature goes, there was incentive from time to time for people to create results that favored a hypothesis or a uh, maybe some sort of investment that someone had made in their experiments. Mm. And they... So, but this was back in 1600s? Yes. Okay. Yes. Before we learned that lying was bad. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so all the way up until like... I mean, when it comes to today, psychology, <laughs> the, they never had a actual system in place to check people's work. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just in the psychological sciences, which, you know, science or not, you could, you be the judge yeah. until 2013. Really? Yes. Wow. So it was all just based kind of on trust. Yeah. And then in, in the physical sciences, no, they had, you know, they still had peer reviewed um, systems in place, but mm-hmm. a lot of it was largely based on trust. So, um, have you heard about the reproducibility crisis? Uh, no, this is something that, um, came to light recently, like in the last 10, 15 years that all, people went back and started trying to reproduce all these old experiments, oh. particularly in the social sciences, but yeah. also in physical sciences and they couldn't reproduce the results. Interesting. And so they, it was a crisis because all of these experiments, all the shit that these that we base our experts yeah. told us was true was not true. Yeah. And I mean, how, if you can't forgive someone for being a flat earther based on st- shit like that or being like completely skeptical that science is even a thing, like you're not really, you're, you're discounting the fact that shenanigans have been happening all throughout science for right. centuries. And we know human nature, especially if there is a financial incentive to get people to cheat on this kind of shit. No. They are going no. to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break that to you. Um, yeah, because w- 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 what you were referring to is that I know we had talked about this a little bit earlier, and then you start looking at is the... The, the phenomenon known as the, for example, well, the logical fallacy and the appeal to authority gets really, really interesting because the appeal authority to is basically logical fallacy 101. That's like one of the first things that you learn. I took yeah. a critical thinking class at a junior college. That's where I learned <laughs> in junior college. <laughs> I think I, I spent $18 for the class and that was in, you know embedded in my mind at the age of I don't know, what, 19, 20, something like that. Yeah. And so when you hear these arguments, you don't trust the science or this is what the experts are saying. And I think it gets conflated when people push back against it, like people like us, when you say, I, I, I have some questions, like just listen to the experts. I'm like, well, it, there's a few problems I have with that is that when I question these people, it's not that like, no, I'm going to figure out my, I'm going to sit in the dark by my own and come up with my own solutions and like figure out what's going on with the world on my own accord. That's not what I'm saying. No. Is I'm looking at, I'm doing my own research, which means I'm appealing to other experts in that field, right? It's, 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 and so we were making like a reference to like the COVID pandemic, right? Which is like the most glaring example of, things like this that we're talking about and when people say obviously uh, that's why 
this is even an interesting topic, right? Because <laughs> right. we all yeah. went through this, yeah, exactly. the biggest fucking cultural mass psyop that the world's ever known. Right. And we're still kind of pissed about it. And we're still trying to figure out, like, how did it happen? Because it's going to happen again, as we covered it, you know, on a couple episodes ago. And when we look at the logical fallacy of saying a claim, what the appeal of authority is, is saying a claim is true simply because an authority, someone in authority made the claim. They go like, okay, that's true. It's like, so that makes your perspective on your ideology is completely devoid of any questions, which means you are completely devoid of any critical thinking, which the entire, the, the tenets of the, what is it, the Scottish enlightenment, enlightenment or any enlightenment or any scientific the process enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is just questions. I ask some questions. Right. I don't believe this to be true. I don't believe like what this guy's saying, like, let's test it. Let's right. test it. And I, you need to test me to make sure that I'm right. That's where these guys that were not scientists by, you know, professionally, they were gentlemen mm -hmm. who had time on their hands to do these experiments. That's where that came from. They yeah. had questions <clears throat> and they thought to themselves, well, if I can, I can do an experiment that proves that it's right. I'm just going to do it. No one told them don't do your own research. Yeah. They did like very important scientific work, you know, it, and it's not like we're sitting around doing experiments on the COVID vaccine but uh, it's not like we live in stockton or anything <laughs> that was fresno, oh, fresno sorry. <laughs> well fortunately the government did the experiment for us yes. by vaccinating a bunch of people without actually testing which the vaccine thank you for your service everyone. yes and now we're kind of we're just like you know filtering through the results but then you take it you know one step further from there it's like like don't do your own research like why when at what what area of my life would I never do my own research, right? It's because it turns into this binary. It's it's like don't do your own research. I'm like I don't think you understand. Your heels are so dug into your ideology. Like I don't think you understand like the words that are coming out of your mouth. Because like I'm doing my own research. If I go to a mechanic, a mechanic is an expert at auto repair, and he comes at, comes out and says like, yeah, it's gonna be about forty grand. Fix your truck. I'm gonna like. I'm going to go shop around. I'm going to go ask another expert. I'm going to do my own research. Yeah. I intuitively think that this does not make sense. No, it doesn't mean that you're going to go learn how your engine works and how, how the computer in your car is programmed. Or I'm like, no right. way I'm taking my truck to a mechanic. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. I'm taking it to this hippie chick down the street. Which, <laughs> which uh, to use the car metaphor, like I want this question answered. For me, like if like for, for these people that are just so dead set on this weird ass perverted ideology is that if I go, if I'm going to buy, let's say I take my truck to mechanic and he goes, it's going to be 40 grand. And I go, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to buy a new truck because I can't afford it. And so I go around and I shop around at trucks. I do a bunch of research, right? I'm like doing my own research. Like, ah, uh, like this truck, like seems like the transmission has some pro is problematic, and, you know, shop around, spend like four, six weeks. If I told you I was doing that, you would call me a smart consumer. If I do that, if I do my own research when like, hey, we're going to inject you with this experimental pharmaceutical product. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm a fucking right wing, crazy, like dangerous conspiracy theorist. Right. Someone explain that math to me. Totally. I want that explained to me. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Well, you want someone to explain it to you? Let's, uh... <laughs> oh, you got that look. How? <laughs> How about the esteemed intellectual Sam Harris? Oh, boy. This is going to be good. The fact that our collective loss of trust 
has often been warranted doesn't suggest that we aren't paying a terrible price for it or that the price won't rise very steeply in the future. When it comes time to decide which medicines to give our children or which wars to fight, there is simply no substitute for trust in institutions and experts. You got to be kidding me. That's what he says. Okay, let's go over that. Let's go. Let's let's take your uh, your your insane rambling, you know, in that nice soothing voice, Sam Harris, to its logical conclusion. <clears throat> let's take it one step further. Let's talk about like what the experts had seen. Let's let's say let's just keep it to the COVID. Did mask work? No. Does the virus quote stop with you? No. Did the virus come from a bat humping a pangolin at a Chinese farmer market or like whatever it is? Like, no. Was a vaccine safe and effective? No. You guys are the experts. Well, Did uh, Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? No. Did Saddam have WMDs? Exactly. No. How about what he said are about the frogs w- turning gay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about <laughs> that part where he goes, or which country to invade next? Like, we have to trust the experts. What? <laughs> Are you serious? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just, let's look at the track record. Like, well, I look which at, like, experts? Al Gore is a climate change expert. Not a single prediction that he made in An Inconvenient Truth was accurate. Why which is I, why he never made any money off of climate change, Matt. Uh, wait, 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 hold up. I, I hate to correct you on air. He, he made over $300 million since that was released. Yeah. Well, I thought everything, you said everything he's predicted when it was wrong it didn't yeah but still still made money yeah that's, it might be been um, hmm. could we try to figure out how to do that with contracting yeah what i'd I think love you to be able to, to tell someone that the job you, is going to cost like 200 grand right and then have it cost a million dollars and actually make there maybe is a way grand? is that possible get a hold of a guy and calling it a paul pelosi okay huh, okay there's someone in congress with that same last name yeah <laughs> All right, well, if that wasn't enough for you, fine, fine. Maybe you have a point there. <laughs> However, experts, the path forward, therefore, is to create the conditions where such trust is possible and actually warranted in the media, in government, in pharmaceutical companies, everywhere that actually matters. That is not a path where we just tear it all down. That is not a path where we just promote any outsider, no matter how incompetent and malevolent, simply because he is an outsider. Oh, boy. We are not going to podcast and substack and tweet our way out of this situation. (laughs) I agree with him (laughs) there. You're right. Let's make the, the institutions better at what they do. But... Me doing my own research, me being a contrarian, I think is doing that. It's definitely not counterproductive to that. Mm -mm. Me just accepting what these experts say as God's honest truth is counterproductive to us getting to that point that you're talking about where the institutions are more honest and more trusting and more, you know, deliberate in, in the conclusions that they come to. There's a way that they can establish that trust, though. It's actually pretty straightforward. Stop being fucking wrong with everything that you tell the public. That is a great way to start. And when people say, like, they, we go back to the appeal of authority, it's like, well, all the, all the experts are saying the same thing. Like who? 
Uh, you know, Peter Hotez and, you know, Anthony Fauci and Rochelle Lewinsky. I mean, the people that got it wrong over and over. What about the experts, your Peter McAuliffe, your Robert Malone? Aren't they also experts in this field? The only difference between those two groups is one was completely censored and deplatformed, who also got everything right. At, at, Dave Smith put it. He goes, put, put your track record. Let's just take COVID. Put your track record. All these people that you know buy everything that Anthony Fauci says and Rochelle Lewinsky and Peter Hotez. Put your track record of everything that you guys thought was correct against ours. He's like, it is fucking undefeated. We're undefeated. We got right. everything fucking right. You guys get everything wrong. And you're still coming at us that we need to listen to you. Yeah, explain that. Because this is what the experts are saying. You guys are dead set on this just infatuation with an appeal to authority for people that got right. everything wrong the entire time. Right. Why would I listen to you? Right. And they will not address the fact that we got everything right. No. You got everything wrong, and your explanation for that as well, people make mistakes. And we got everything right. We did not make mistakes. No. We, and it, we're idiots. <laughs> like, it wasn't that hard to figure out. And we, it, it, the, the best thing about it is that we weren't proactive. We weren't reactive. We did nothing. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. We got locked down. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, you, you got to not go to work. Nah, I'm not going to. I am going to work. <laughs> it's like, by us not doing anything turned out to be correct on the right side of everything within the last three years. Yes. Um, you said uh, a second ago um, that the way they could fix it is by not just stop being wrong. <laughs> Getting things wrong over okay, and over. Okay, but... <clears throat> the problem with that is that there is an incentive for them to get things wrong. This is true. Which brings me to this story. I don't know if you heard about this. And that has shaken the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, and the entire world of science and education. The president of Stanford, a university that consistently ranks in the top three in the world, resigned. It comes after months of explosive reporting by an 18-year-old student journalist who spent his freshman year digging into accusations that the president of his university supervised falsified research and allowed it to be published. I'm not surprised that you didn't hear about this, actually, because <laughs> this is a huge fucking deal. And the news report that we're watching right now, this was actually originally 13 minutes long, and I edited it down. Mm -hmm. But um, the next day, this is from AB7, ABC7 News here in the Bay Area, and they um, they did a really good job interviewing this kid uh -huh. who uh, is a freshman at Stanford, a freshman brought down the president. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. And he probably flunked all of his classes because he'd spent all of his time doing this. But the very next day, they came up with another story. It's a video you can watch. Okay. That is like super sanitized. Yeah. Relative to this one. That kind of defending Stanford and like, you know, very much like um, trying to save face for Stanford, right. you know. I don't even know this, but Stanford has an endowment of 30, hold on, I wrote it down, like $36 billion. Jeez. Which is, yeah, $36 billion, which is larger than the total, uh, what do you call it? I guess the budget of 11 states. <laughs> this university is bigger than 11 states in America. You know, with the research that this student did, I mean, obviously, like, he's a badass. Like, all he has to do is add to his resume of 
double drone striking, like some wedding parties, across, you know, of like brown people. Yeah. He, he could be in the running for a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He did win some awards for this. Nice. <laughs> it wasn't that, though. Joining us live now, Theo Baker. You put into motion this last November when you wrote the first article about potential yeah, missteps in the work done by his lab before he came to Stanford. What were those allegations? Yeah, so um, it's important to note that, uh, you know, there were whisperings of, of something regarding alleged uh, or manipulated research that uh, Tessie Levine had published that were floating around the internet for years. They were hiding in scientific forums, they were hiding on blog posts, but they'd never been reported, even while Stanford, uh, uh, he assumed the post of Stanford's president, uh, where he directs an institution with more than $8.9 billion in yearly funding. So just to, if you, in case this you didn't catch that. This kid is a badass, dude. <laughs> yes, he is. He's 18 fucking years old. In case you didn't catch what he said right there, there were rumors of this guy falsifying documents for people that he was involved with. So he puts his name on papers, even if he didn't mm -hmm. do the research himself, the president of Stanford. Right. And you're going to be shocked to hear this, but a lot of those papers um, benefited uh, people that invested heavily in his okay let's take yes. it let's well, take I'm, it easy Alex I just, Jones. i mean I, i'm not i'm just repeating what, what the kid said i had to edit some of that out but um there were rumors circulating on social media and the internet mm -hmm. all right what is he saying the people jackasses like you and me were doing their own research and talking about this guy being a fucking corrupt Bureaucrat, yeah, or I don't know what do you call him. I mean, pseudoscientist, basically. Yeah, right. More <clears throat> than eleven U.S. states. So these allegations revolved around the idea that uh, images that were published in his papers had been manipulated and photoshopped to show results that they did not actually represent. All told, there are about a dozen papers on which Tessie Levine is a co-author, a named co-author, that seem to have manipulated imagery. For five of those, he was the principal author. I want to ask you what Stanford's reaction was initially, because you published dozens of articles on this subject. <laughs> um, one thing that we still remain shocked at is that the university did open an investigation within a day, um, which was rather remarkable. Uh, that's not something Stanford has a, a real history of doing. Um, and, you know, that investigation obviously was sort of fraught with its own issues. We revealed that one of the people they appointed to investigate him had an $18 million investment in his company. So finally, that outside law firm, they released their findings two days ago. And what was the ultimate conclusion? Yeah, so uh, the report just came out publicly this morning, and it was somewhat remarkable for us to read. It concluded that Tessie Levine had inculcated a culture across two decades and three different institutions where he rewarded the winners and he punished the losers. Dang. Crazy, huh? Yeah. So I mean, dude, no, but... Yeah. Dude had to resign. Um, I got to read his statement because it's just so classic. Just... Ugh. This, the worst, worst example of just this kind Amidst of these false allegations. I would step down just to keep the culture of our <laughs> and sanctity of this great institution intact. And you know, I, get I guess fucked, I, buddy. I guess I don't need to read the statement. <laughs> it's basically word for word what he says. Really? He goes, 
Although the report clearly refutes the allegations of fraud and misconduct that were made against me, for the good of the university, I, <laughs> I have made the decision to step down. I expect there may be ongoing discussion about the report and its conclusions, at least in the near term, which could lead to debate about my ability to lead the university into the new academic year. Stanford is greater than any one of us. It needs a president whose leadership is not hampered by such decision uh, discussions. I therefore concluded that I should step down before the start of classes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just like, obviously, so Stanford opens up an investigation the next day, right? And they appoint an investigator who has a $12 billion investment in one of this dude's companies. 18. $18 billion yep. investment. Million? $18 million. million. I said billion. Sorry. Yeah. $18 million investment in one of this dude's companies. And they realize, so then the, the obviously this sharp 18-year-old says, uh, excuse me, that seems like a little bit of a conflict of interest. So they replace or that guy. Or just someone who is marginally paying attention. Yeah, someone that's awake. <laughs> and so Stanford replaces that investigator with someone else. But it's like obviously what they're doing is trying to save face and cover this whole thing up as best they can with this, like, this meddling kid in their <laughs> fucking... <laughs> And so uh, I just, I mean, it, it's it's great that he stepped down. It's great that this was exposed. But, I mean, come on. Obviously, this shit is happening in all the top universities. It's probably happening in Stanford with other people besides this guy. It's happening all over the place. We're getting scientific data that's not accurate. It's based on people's desired outcome determined by how much money they've invested into the programs that they're getting the results from. And if you think that the COVID vaccines are any different, you're lying to yourself. Like obviously these huge pharmaceutical companies had a ton to gain from these vaccines. They're not going to give you the God's honest truth on the, in the, in the studies that they, that they did on this. Give me a fucking break. Oop, there it is. So <laughs> <laughs> we should probably get a sound button for that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I was thumbing through, uh, just to put an even finer point on this, um, the world's greatest newspaper, the Epic Times, and uh, came across this article from a Nobel Prize-winning physicist who was talking about climate change. Mm -hmm. The title of the article is a quote from it. It says, we are totally awash in pseudoscience. Saw that. So Nobel Prize winner, I'm going to read this, and then uh, we'll go on. There's some good news in the Epic Times that i got to go share through. with you. We're going to end the podcast on good news, Matt. <laughs> we always say that. <laughs> I'll be impressed. All right. <clears throat> I'll do my best. Nobel Prize winning physicist John Clauser is not afraid to go against the flow. In a July 26 interview with Epic Times, Mr. Clauser explained that he carried out his early research on quantum mechanics against opposition from some in the field. As a young man, he pulled off the first experiment to demonstrate the reality of non-local quantum entanglement. That is, the strange linkage between multiple particles across any physical distance. That groundbreaking work earned him one-third of the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics. Today, the 80-year-old scientist is up against another establishment. This time, though, he's not just violating a prediction so as to rule out an alternative explanation to quantum mechanics. He's violating a taboo that has slowly but surely become one of the biggest in science and politics. I am, I guess, what you would call a climate change denialist, Mr. Clauser told the Epic Times. His training in science makes him 
quote, a little bit different than some others, quote, he said. The physic the physicist who also won a third of the world the Wolf Prize for his quantum mechanics contributions shared some of his views on climate during a recent talk in South Korea soon after his election to the CO2 Coalition's board of directors. I believe that climate change is not a crisis, Mr. Clauser told the audience at the Quantum Korea 2023. He also described the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, as one of the worst sources of dangerous misinformation. He said, quote, if the carbon dioxide... If, and then in brackets, the carbon dioxide may or may not be by human beings, he said, it doesn't really matter where it comes from. We're talking about trillions of dollars. He said, adding that powerful people don't want to hear that they've made a trillion dollar mistake. So here's a guy coming out telling us that basically all of the climate science that everyone is so worried about is pseudoscience that is being pushed much like what was happening in Stanford mm-hmm. by a trillion dollars of investments into climate change, N- meaning that the, the climate change needs to be true or else these yeah. trillions of dollars that were invested in it were totally wasted. Right. I mean, we know people that work for companies whose sole purpose is to prove that climate change does exist. If yep. they were to do research on a science that somehow came up with a conclusion that climate change wasn't <clears throat> happening. Do you think they would be able to publish that or tell the people that they work for that no. that was the result that they came up with? Right. No, they would be probably be fired for that. You know, if not just to have that swept under the rug, they could be fired for it. So as I was thumbing through the world's greatest newspaper, it'd be like us financing a study and you know, someone goes like, hey, I, the frogs aren't turning gay. I'm like, I, okay, just, just, yeah, just put that on the shelf there. Nobody wants to hear that. Yes, we've we've invested far too much money in the frogs being gay. I gave you four hundred bucks to figure out if the frogs are gay or not. <laughs> all right, I expect those fucking frogs to be gay. You go down and make those frogs gay. All right, <laughs> I give you four hundred bucks. Make it happen. Oh, I really want to go off on that, but I'm not going to. All right, UN. This is the headline. UN rising temperatures. No. Existential threat to humanity. Climate change activists consistently warning of a doomsday in the near future are harming efforts to tackle the current situation, and there's no, quote, existential threat to humanity, according to Professor Jim Skia, the newly elected head of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC. This is the good news that I'm leaving you with, Matt. Alrighty. The new head of the IPCC has been forced to admit that there is no quote, existential threat to humanity based on climate change. According to this article, he came to this conclusion because he realized that we can't keep trying to sell this lie to people. If we're, He thinks that climate change is a problem, mm-hmm. but he doesn't think that we're going to be able to solve that problem by continuously lying to people. Creating an industrial complex around the issue. Yes. Which is what we've been doing. By scaring people, saying that's an existential threat. $300 million to Al Gore alone since he came out with the inconvenient truth. Have you heard about the latest ban on uh, gas-powered cars? Oh, geez. (laughs) We were leaving on a good note. Ah, Yeah, you're right. Sorry. (laughs) Pick that up next time. (laughs) 